Let's move on to politics right now. Ooh, this is gonna get fun. <laughs> Alright, where do you so, want to start? So I I, I had no I know idea. the RNC is going on. Neither of us like Trump, so like this is gonna be a short conversation. Yeah. I think it's a joke. Yeah. I think it's been a joke. Um do you have a particular hot take that you want to throw it on him? I love Trump. No, that's not my hot take. I don't <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to have at this point a hot take on Trump. Look, uh I just read something today about how he offered uh Kasich the vice presidency and he said that he'd make him the most powerful vice president of all time if he accepted and Kasich said no and apparently and this is again all conjecture off fucking reporting from uh, New York Times who knows if what the fuck the sources are but they were saying um, when Kasich when Kasich's advisor asked him what the deal would be, he said, what would we be doing? And he said, you'd be taking care of foreign and domestic policy. And when they asked, well, what would Trump be doing? And he said, we'd be making America great again. That to me, if that's true, and I don't know if it's true, is the summary of what I feel about Trump. I feel like he is it's all, all fluff. All fluff. He doesn't... 100%. He wants the title and the prestige. He doesn't want to fucking respond. I don't believe to this day, and I think there's been plenty of reports out there. If he wants to hand off 100% of the responsibility, I think that's outstanding. Not from the standpoint of, that doesn't make me excited about him, but I think that's much better it than makes if he's more taking... I think it's much better than if he takes 1% of the responsibility. See, here's my thing, though. I also equally hate Mike Pence. Why? What's wrong with Mike Pence? Uh... And as we talked about in the very beginning, and I'll say this out. Uh, You're a moderate. I'm a moderate. I hate true believers, and a lot of the stuff Mike Pence has done over the years, he is so socially conservative that it worries me. I don't mind the. I don't mind a lot of Republican ideals. I agree with a lot of fiscal Republican stuff. What I get worried about is people that are so socially conservative that I think it's illogical and I feel like Mike Pence is on that level some of the stuff that he's supported over the years and I'm still like just honestly I'm, I'm not gonna lie I'm still just learning about Mike Pence because I've you know we've only had two weeks and I did not know much about him before this week but but or since he's been announced the more I've read about him the more I get worried about like anytime I hear about somebody who talks about like supporting legislature or supporting theories of praying the gay away or something like that makes me nervous which and also i'm gonna be totally honest when you say like you can pray pray the gay away i'm just like you fucked at least one guy that's what i think (laughs) that's my hot take politically that's 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 interesting um so here's the thing about mike pence he was not picked to bring you in Mm mm-hmm he was picked because... By the way, I think it was politically a pretty True conservatives vote. don't like Trump. Yeah. And, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't. And but they should like they would be anticipated to like Mike Pence. And so he's the VP pick. I think it's the safe pick. It's the correct pick. It's a boring pick. It's the most boring thing that Trump has done, which like speaks to like per- perhaps a certain level of maturity, which is shocking. Is, but that, I is don't, that maturity, though, or just because there's reports? He has advisors that are, like, actually saying things to him now that makes sense. Well, yeah, because he fired the one guy. But, I mean, also, 
when you hear the reports that there's people that turned him down, I mean, for if all that's you, true, you're right, and that might be true. But so the background on you, that would it shock you if there's a lot of people that turned would it him shock down? me if you offered it to John Kasich and he turned it down? No, the story about it probably not true. John Kasich hates with every fiber of his being Donald Trump. Yeah. If he was offered it, he would turn it down, and then he would make up that whole background story. Because he is a grandstander and a bullshitter as what, what, well. What background story? The background story that he'd make, he'd get, he like, he put him in charge of basically foreign and domestic affairs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which okay. is, like, basically okay. everything, and yeah. then Trump would just market the shit out of America. All I'm saying is there has been nothing that I've seen from Trump's campaign that seems to be... Coherent. Politically savvy as far as I look, I know this is the reason why most people hate Hillary is that she's, she's an all time politician, she's a crook, and all that stuff. I'm not even disagree with all that stuff, but I don't think Trump knows what the fuck he's doing. And I'm not saying I'm saying his campaign doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. So whenever I hear these outlandish rumors, he's making it up as he goes. Yeah, and that's why when I hear these very outlandish rumors. I don't dismiss them. Here's the messed up thing. People like him for that reason. But I know, it's not choreographed does and not make out. sense to me. It's weird. Look, let's just to bring it back to sports. If you're the, uh, what's the, we were talking about the Browns or the Lions or something like that. Uh, you're you're the, the owner of the Lions and you're just historically terrible. And your thoughts are, you know what, we've been, we've had a run, we've had a bad run for 70 years. We've always brought in football people. You know what we should do? We should bring in someone who knows nothing about football because they're an outsider. That would be a way to that would be a way to shake things up. That just doesn't make sense to me. It sounds to me like you're saying that Donald Trump is the 2012 uh, San Francisco 49ers. Halfway through the season, he put in Kaepernick at quarterback. They won a buttload of games. They beat the crap out of the Packers. They go to the they go to the Super Bowl, and then they don't know what the hell to do. And get smoked. That is weirdly one of the best comparisons I've ever heard in my life. Yes. You basically set it up. Yeah. I've never thought of it before. But that's he there's I you love can't that. tell me that when he jumped in the race that he thought he was gonna get the nomination. I don't think he wants to be president. I don't think he's ever wanted to be president. There's I, a lot of people that have written that. There's a lot of yeah, major this, this is not a hot conservative tape. writers that think that this he is not doesn't actually tape. want to be president. He's gotten everything out of this that he ever imagined or wanted to get, and now he's going to be stuck doing a job that he knows that he has no business doing. Well, again, you're assuming that he wins. But I agree with you, and this is why it's something about like the Kasich thing. If he was running in 2012 against Barack Obama, he loses 65-35. You, you're, you're assuming he gets the nomination. No. Well, he is nominated. But I'm saying, like, no, I'm if, saying if this was 2012, yeah. if he was nominated, if he, yes, exactly. If he had gotten the nomination, he'd gone so, up here, he would lose 65 So here, here's my question to you as a, I would like to say, middling person, and you're a conservative. Because here is my biggest gripe with the Republican Party, is that they should never have let this happen. Because there are good candidates out there, and I'm not even sure who they are, but, like, they have real legitimate points and look i think hillary is a terrible candidate yeah i think she's gonna win 
and I think she's going to be the next president. I've been saying this for two years. She's going to be the next president because there is literally no other options. But my question is, how did they let this happen? Because I didn't want to interfere. But what does that even mean? So the Republican Party doesn't, they have some things, they have like free delegates that are equivalent of Democrat superdelegates, but no, they're no. relatively few. Like that's how we, like it's how Republicans structure it. They don't have a lot of superdelegates. They don't call them superdelegates. But the Democrats have about as many superdelegates as they have election like designated delegates. So they can pick whoever they want. They don't have a nomination process. They don't have a primary process. It's bullshit. They, if they have a, like a one and two that they're comfortable with, they won't get involved. So when Hillary and Obama were squaring off in 2008, the superdelegates, when it came down to it, stood on the sidelines because they're like, hey, you know what? <laughs> we like Obama better anyway. But then they're looking at Bernie and like, this dude's nuts. Is that it? all I'm asking? Is that worse than the 17 people? And the the all I'm saying is my biggest problem with 17 people. What are you talking about? In the primary this year, I'm not saying it was actually 17. I'm exaggerating. But what I'm saying is it was 17. You're not exaggerating. Was that actually what it was? Dead nuts. Exactly. It was exactly. It was 17. Yeah. My my pre, my point being is that my biggest problem, and I honestly think this is my biggest problem with the Republican Party, is their primary the fact that the people that get their voice heard are the nut jobs okay well here's my theory on that so of 17 we had about five people that are trying to get book deals mm -hmm. huckabee is back in it mitch mcconnell was running why i mean perry was running why you had a good five six seven people I that i can't believe perry ran again you had a good a bunch of people that are running and get book deals and then you had about eight or nine guys. Which, by the way, I think was, like, that's the same motivation why Trump got into this race. Attention. Yeah. I, I agree. Then you got an eight or nine guys that were appealing to the logic of the conservative voter. Appealing to the logic and the intelligence of the conservative Republican voter. And Trump came in and said, hey, this is American politics. 40% of voters are retarded. And Democrats have been getting elected and nominated for decades by appealing to the dumbest portion of their electorate. The free stuff shit that's been going on for decades. And he's going to come in, he's like, dude, we're going to build a wall, make Mexico pay for it. What sense does that make? We're going to deport them all, and then months later say, we're going to amnesty them all. And then all this, we're going to win, 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 we're going to kill all the terrorists. We're not going to be overly involved in anything. We're going to have great trade deals. We're going to, and then we're going to bash trade deals that are actually pretty good. And none of it made any sense. But there's that 40% of the conservative vote that lives, for the most part, south of the Mason-Dixon line, or is in like New England, where they're not really conservatives. They're voter, they're Republicans, but they're not conservatives, and they think Trump is kind of cool. And he could just, he got all those people. They, they listened to him and they're like, they just, he could be on either side of any issue. Yeah. They would hear only the statements that they agreed with. They'd believe in them. They'd ignore the things that he said that they disagreed with. 
he looked at he looked at Obama in 08 and just presented America with a blank canvas and said, "Paint on me whatever you believe about the world, because yes, we can." What does that mean? Who the hell knows? And people have pinned their belief. He he's patterned his campaign to Obama's 2008 campaign. He's copied it. Obviously, like it's skewed a different way, and it's but the strategy is the exact same. He hasn't said anything. He doesn't apparently believe much of anything. Obama at least believes stuff. Trump, I, yeah, I was gonna say, what I, the I, hell does Trump believe? I believes? vastly disagree with you on some. Trump, things. like who the hell knows what Trump believes? I don't think Trump believes. Anything. Obama didn't. Obama believed a lot of things, but he didn't say a whole lot of what he really believed. He just he provided this attractive, relatively eloquent, well controlled, like like when it comes to like personal control, and just being managing who you are as a personal. Bob is obviously really good at it. He doesn't overreact to shit and fly off the handle and say stupid stuff. It's been a great strength of his. Trump's the opposite person in that regard. But when it comes to presenting this amorphous thing and triangulating yourself and presenting on opposite sides of an issue just so people can just go along with whatever it is that they want to believe, Trump's tried to do the same thing. He's appealing to a different group of people. So it looks very differently. But the same basic strategy is there. You have no, no idea what he's trying to do. I would actually agree with you on a lot of those points. I, mean, I would disagree with you on some of those. But... I said for a long time, obviously their opinions are completely opposite, but I thought Trump and Bernie were running the same campaign. They were... It was populism. It was populism. In a lot of ways, that's true as well. Yeah. They were really like, if you looked at what they were saying and stuff, obviously had nothing on the same side of the, the aisle or whatever like that. But their campaigns... And I like Bernie. I like Bernie. Like, I don't... I would not have... I would have been a little scared of him becoming president. Uh, less so than Trump, but uh, I think he has some fair points about some issues with Washington, you know, with uh, politics in general. But I think he's a very he's an idealist. Like I think that he he's a true believer. He's a true believer. Uh, if Trump wins, absolutely nothing is going to happen. All these see, things he says he's going to do, this he's going to do where, none this of them. This is where this is where I totally disagree with you because I've always said, and I've said this forever. And not saying that I know shit, but I, I am a hit. I'm a history major, poli sci mm -hmm. minor. I've always said that uh, presidents are overrated oh, most of the time. There's certain circumstances where situations have made them get a, a large amount of power or whatever. But for the most part, they're figureheads, they're spokespeople, mm -hmm. and I think Trump would be one of the worst spokespeople or figureheads for this country ever, because. A lot of what the president does is represents who the country is. And I think Trump representing our country is a fucking disaster beyond anything I can think of. That's my biggest fear with him. So you think the rest of the world won't take us seriously if he's president? It's not just them taking us seriously, which I don't think they will. I think... It, we well, I mean, at that point, like, then nothing's changing. Cause that's not fully true, though, because anyway. a lot of the world... Look, say what you want. A lot of the world recognizes a lot of the things Obama's done. Look, I know, I know you're you're not an Obama fan, or whatever. But like, and I know you'll probably give me shit on this, but like, 
there's a lot of after George Bush, I think it was kind of important for the world to somewhat get back on our side. And there's certain things with like say the uh, the Cuba thing, which I think is historically going to be a big deal. And Obama was in presidency when that happens. And again, a lot of this stuff I think comes down to timing. I think it comes down to luck. I think it comes down to a lot of things. But I just think they're the figurehead of a lot of things. And I think his history will be generally kind of kind to Obama. And some of that's fair, some of it's not. I'm sure history will be extremely kind to Obama. Yeah, but you're saying that in a very negative way because you're saying... I'm saying it in a patronizing way because... I know you are. There's no reason for it. I disagree. There's one reason why history is going to be kind to him. What, because he's black? Of course. Get the fuck out of here. You're saying that he hasn't done a decent job for what he got elected in, the, the climate, the situation that he got elected in, when we were at our worst in 2008. And I think it's very hard to, to argue how difficult a state this country was in 2008. You don't think that he hasn't at least guided the ship a little bit? No, absolutely not. Really? Okay, and here's why. When you have a major economic downturn, very, like, extre- like as soon as you hit like rock bottom and a major downturn, which when you have a, like a major downturn, you let it happen. You you don't have a like a stupid stimulus thing that's not going to stimulate anything. You tend to have a dramatic, huge bounce back. If you look at every major recession, like going back all the way to 1883. That has always happened. It didn't happen. We had a very tepid, weak recovery because we're not actually trying to recover anything. We've had a stable recovery, though. Shit's going we've on. We've had extremely weak growth. But we've had growth stable. Okay, so it's not. I mean, we're not. We're not. We're not shrinking. But at any other time in history, two percent annual growth would be considered a failure. And then when you're coming, and when you're comparing it to a couple of years where we had. Major coming out of a major recession. Yeah, but you that's also, pathetic. But also, you take it you take into account certain things in certain like like this is like I said. I think a lot of people listen. The to good this. things that or have you, happened that caused that two percent growth happened in spite of Obama, not because of Obama. See, this is where I disagree. I think that he steered the ship correctly. And by the way, a lot of the shit that he's tried to do, the Republican Congress has vetoed everything that he's wanted to do. They won't. Whether they agree with it or not, they will not allow him, like, his ideas have not been able to play out just because they said fuck Obama at every turn that he could possibly do. He had two years to do whatever the hell he wanted. And he did a bunch of shit. A lot of that shit, though, takes longer than two years, the big stuff. But he had two years to pass, and he passed a lot. I just think it's insane to think that he... Why, okay, the growth, the good things that happened in the economy over the last seven and a half years, what are they? What is the growth? What has been the strength? That Jobs, home, like if you look at 2008 to 2016. No, I mean specifically sector-wise. What has actually You look at unemployment, grown. you look at the housing market, you look at every, everything has gone up. Those are results. I mean like industrially, what sector, like what has grown, what has changed that has caused that to happen. I mean, what's the difference? I, I don't know the statistical thing that I could tell you, like, well, this industry has done this. And this is what my argument has been from the very beginning about I think a lot of this is chance of when you're president. 
Um, and that, that point is fair. That point's true. Uh, I will argue that whether, whether Trump or Hillary Clinton gets elected to the next president, I think whoever is the next president is going to experience a good term. And it's not going to be on anything. So? Yes, I do. I'm, I think it's going to be a bit rough for whichever one of them it is. See, when I... I always looked at... If you look at the fucking history of the economy, there it, it's a it's a sound graph. It's a up and down, up and down. There's higher highs and lower lows. Sometimes it's shorter, sometimes it's longer. But it is the same since the birth of America. It's been the same sine wave. Sound wave. It just goes up and down, up and down, up and down. Sine wave. Sine wave. Whatever. Sorry, that's what it is. Right now we are on the up. We might not hit the peak that some people think. We might not hit where we're at, but we're on the up. I think the next four years are going to be a good time for America generally. I think there's a lot of technological things that are going to help that. I think during the 1992 to 2000 thing, all the credit that Bill Clinton got in the world was because the internet was came around and that blew up. Big part of it, yeah. Yeah. That's like so I think there's a lot of stuff where you are victim and beneficiary of when you were president. I think Obama came around and he was president during a very tough time. He came in right after a war. He came in right after a financial crisis. He came in, and this is a very weird thing to say, but right in the age of social media, Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's our first real social media president, meaning everything he does gets constantly, more than ever in the history of the country, uh, criticized. And I think that he's done a fairly good job of steering the ship. That's my argument. Okay. So here's my counter argument. And I want to hear it. Well, we had had a lot of areas of business that were just outdated. And they needed to be allowed to die. And when the recession occurred, they should have been allowed to die. Areas of government that don't need to exist anymore were kept afloat by... The bailout. And I'm not the bailout, I'm sorry. That's a whole different thing. That wasn't Obama. But the, the, the stimulus say. plan, the $914 billion, laid out in the stimulus plan, but even though that was stretched out over like several years, whole areas of government that need to be reformed, allowed to run out of money, gotten rid of, were just floated. So now we're still carrying that thing, all of that on our back. The, thing, the good things that have happened have not happened because of Obama or because of anything that government has done has happened in spite of it. Prime example and the number one example, most of our growth, and obviously I'm speaking this because a lot of the people that feed this industry are my customers and I see them making a lot of orders, is in energy. For the podcast, can you say what you do? Okay, for the podcast, I, I work for a company that does manufacturing automation, a lot of robot cells, custom machines, our customers are industrial manufacturers that make stuff, and we help them yeah, through robotics deep. or whatever make things more efficiently. That's what we do. A lot of our customers have do like tier one, tier two, served companies in the energy industry, and that means fracking. A lot of people really hate fracking. I can have a lot of fun destroying the arguments for like, or just having fun with people who hate fracking, but whatever, that's, we're not going to get too involved in that right now, but that was the driver for the growth of the American economy over the last seven and a half years. That didn't happen because of Obama, that happened in spite of him.
So I think the main important thing, Obama didn't make the economy recover. He was just there. Oh, I, I actually would agree with you on that. Energy exploded despite the fact that he did everything he could to block oil production and drilling on public lands. The boom happened on private lands. He tried to block a pipeline. A pipeline! I haven't heard a coherent argument for why that is. Maybe you have one. Why you would block a pipeline. Well, my, my question would be, how would you grade the performance that he got dealt? Meaning, the eight years that George Bush was in, in present. Like, what did he come into the, the, the situation with? Because do you think it was like an okay situation? So a terrible he, situation? I think for him, it's the best possible situation, and here's why. What's difficult... Because we were at rock bottom and there's... Because you're already at rock bottom. Okay. You have met the bottom, and if you don't do anything... There's going to be a massive dramatic recovery. Bill Clinton did nothing to create the boom of the 90s. And he happened in 1992. There was a recession. It bled into the first year of his presidency. And he just got to be there for a tech boom. And then he got to be there for the introduction of a Roth IRA, which moved a lot of like future tax gains or tax receipts into 1997. And then he projected that out over 10 years and said that we have a $1.1 trillion surplus over 10 years, and we didn't. We just moved a lot of future tax receipts into that year. It was all a lie. It was all a bunch of BS. But he was able to project it out, make a case for it. As bogus as it was, he did a good job making that case, and he won that fight, even though he shouldn't have. There was, like, he didn't do anything for any of that. He was just there for it. And Obama started out at the bottom and if he didn't do anything it was gonna come back he did things everything he did was to stop the energy booms that occurred they happened anyway innovation in America is so powerful and the profit motive and the the pricing mechanism are still as even when you try to distort them they're still able to act in such a way that companies, people, firms, individuals, whatever, they find the next opportunity, they take advantage of it, even if you try to stop them, there was growth. The car companies, GM, Chrysler's kind of gotten their crap together, Ford made gains even though they didn't take a bailout, they started making dramatically better cars, not because the government told them to, because they had to. Because competitively, if they didn't start making better cars, Everyone would drive Hondas, Toyotas, Nissans. No one would drive a Chevy vehicle if they didn't start making better cars. I drive a 2015 Chevy vehicle because it's a good car. They started making better vehicles. Yeah, which by the way, what what year do you think that they started making good ones again? Because I, I'm a, I'm in, I'm in full agreement with you. Like I would not have bought. Uh, I I drive a Hyundai. Like mm-hmm. I like. Imported cars. I like uh, Japanese Which cars. Which Hyundai and Kia? Take those two. How garbage were they 15 years ago? Yeah, I think they. And how great are they now? I used to drive a Toyota, and now I drive a Hyundai. I think they make great cars. The quality for the price, the value there it's is crazy. outstanding. Yeah, and I think they do a good. Germany and Japan did a great job. Like, let's laugh about that they were Axis powers or whatever. But you know what? They they make good cars. Germany but, and Japan started doing that 30 years ago. Well, Germany to be fair, has been doing that forever. Even when 
it was a horror like they made even German when, engineering is overblown. It's not as great as I, they I, pretend to be. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm just saying Germany's always made good cars. That's kind of been their. They've been comparatively better, but the upstarts, the 30 years ago upstart was Japan. They started like Toyota started making just way better cars. Yeah, and look, everything I've heard about American cars now, I think that they've turned that shit around. I think that they have the American car industry is now where Japan was in the 90s where they've become innovative. I think I think the American car industry got lazy, quite honestly, because... Absolutely. There's no got, question about they that. They got lazy because they were, you know, we created they the They thought they owned the market, and they didn't. Yeah. They forgot that there's real competition. They thought that GM thought they were competing against Ford and yep. Chrysler, and Ford and Chrysler weren't that good. And what they forgot is they're competing against Toyota. They're competing against Nissan. Exactly. They're competing against BMW. They're competing against Volkswagen. They're competing against every one of these companies. They looked at Hyundai and Kia and thought they were garbage. Hyundai and Kia got their shit together. And all of a sudden, they were the worst. <clears throat> and they, they have improved dramatically. So, yeah, like, did that happen because of Obama? Did that happen because of no. the cafe standards? No, I think that happened because... It was going to happen because, because it had to how, happen. That's how markets work. That's competition, how competition required works. it to happen. But here's my argument, though. Innovator so, die. Yes, and I, I, and I would agree with you on all that. Here's my argument to what you just said, though. Uh, A, you just said Obama came in at rock bottom. So you're just fully, you're just fully admitting that for eight years of a Republican presidency, it was shit. <clears throat> Now, I would agree. There was a major downturn, and I we was, can send I another was four hours to say, talking about why that happened. Situational things that happened during that. I think a lot of it, honestly, was probably his fault. But also, as I talked about earlier, it's a it's an up and a down. It's an up and a down. After the fucking '90s with the internet and all that stuff, there was just whoever was president in the 2000s. It wouldn't matter if Gore would have won or Kerry would have won. There would have been a downturn because that's just how the economy works. But I do think that there are certain decisions made that made it worse. Things like going to war obviously always change how economies work and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think, generally speaking, are you saying, like, do you think the Bush years were good, bad, mediocre, like overrated, underrated? Here's my opinion on the Bush years. Bush was weak. Bush should have taken action, forced action, to deal with what was occurring. If you go back to as early as 2003, the Bush administration sounded the alarm that Congress lacked the ability and the willingness to provide proper oversight over banking, the housing industry, and investment. They sounded that alarm. And they got shouted down. And we had... By a lot of their own people, though. Uh, I mean, Hank Paulson was up there saying that, like, yeah, everything's great, everything's wonderful. But... You talk about Hank Paulson, Ben Bernanke, I mean, like... The structure, the, the, the mechanics of... The housing crisis started in 1979. Yes. They got turned up into overdrive. 
when we started requiring banks to make bad loans in the in the mid nineties. Well, don't don't make it seem like they were forced into this. They embraced it. Well, they embraced it because they saw that they could make money off of it. Exactly. But they had to do it. And when you were required to make loans, to make bad loans to people because you don't want to be racist, and you have the R word hanging over you, you're going to make bad loans. And then, and then we say, no, we're, but we're going to put it in a secondary housing market that's going to protect you you're, so that you can make the bad loans. And then you're going to be okay because you can sell those loans. You've created, you've required, you've required people to do stupid things. Then you've created the machinery where that when they do those stupid things, they can still make a bunch of money. When you build that machinery, the free market is going to destroy itself. Well, it's not really a free market, but a the, the profit motive will cause people to destroy themselves because they're insulated from the damage of their own bad decisions. I find it offensive is the wrong word because I'm going over. When you say require them, and also when you say that. They're forced to do it because of they're afraid of being racist. Get the fuck out of here when that's the reason why they were doing these things. They were giving it to anyone and everyone that they could do it because they could make a shitload of money. And I don't even blame them. But you're on you're on like, like step three. Okay, but I'm just saying that's not the reason why step one happened. We laid the groundwork in step the, one. Okay, but that wasn't the reason why they were giving out bad loans. It wasn't because they were afraid of being racist. They're the banking industry and they wanted to make money. That's it. It's they that's have it. the profit motive, but it wasn't be built. Okay, it, it may have been a part of it, but it wasn't because they were afraid of being labeled racist. No, but the legislation was such that we wanted. To, we decided that people, like the key to people moving into the middle class, was owning homes. Yeah. And banks were looking at a lot of people and but like by the way, saying, who, who pushed that? This started in 1979. Yeah, but who pushed that? I mean, who pushed it? Who pushed that narrative? Primarily people in the Clinton administration. This started in, like... You just said it started in the 70s. That's that's when it started, but, like, it really ramped up in the 90s. Okay. Well, it I, I would argue it was it was during the, the Reagan administration of... Where the the American dream was kind of personified as like this marketing marketing situation of like owning a home and the white picket fence and all that stuff like that started somewhere in the seventies or the sixties probably but like I feel like that was like the peak of like this is what you should do is you should get a house you should have the American dream you should do all that stuff yeah I mean that that idea started long before. But then people started looking at the fact that middle class people that were doing okay own homes. So then the argument was, well, like all these people that are shut out of the housing market, they're being shut out of the middle class. When we have a classic post hoc ergo propter hoc, we're confusing correlation for cause. And the people, the reason that people were moving into the middle class is because they were smart enough to be in the middle class. And we're saying that like, well, we need to take all these other people, ship them to the middle class when they lack the tools to function there okay so <clears throat> banks were required to make a certain amount of subprime loans because we want to increase home like ownership the the secondary housing market 
like Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, that was created to make it to insulate them from the foolishness that they were required to do. Once that happened, they're like, shit, we can make a buck off everybody then. Then the snowball is rolling down the hill. And until until it hits the bottom, like until it rolls down the bottom of the hill and falls into the ocean and melts, it's gonna keep rolling and keep getting bigger. Okay. And when you when you take the market and you insulate it from the damage that it can do to itself, it's just gonna do whatever it wants for however long it can get away with it. In order for a free market to work, you have to be subject to the consequences of your bad decisions. When you take away those consequences, the profit motive doesn't work anymore. So what we had was not too little regulation, we had too much regulation. Because if they just had to make loans and then live with those loans, whether they get paid or whether they get foreclosed on, they would have made very different decisions. See, that's just right fundamentally disagree with you I don't understand how everything when you hear about the housing market crash and all of the crashes when it comes to even historically how too much regulation could almost be a thing like I just, I just honestly don't understand that because of the regulation that causes you to do things that you shouldn't be doing that's very poor that's very bad and then if you're protecting people from the consequences of those bad things with a government program that's you're doubling down on a mistake yeah but you're creating how, an how, environment where in order to make as much money as possible you have to do very stupid things yeah but at the same time i just feel like the act of being able to do very risky maneuvers, a small percentage of people being able to do very risky maneuvers for high amounts of money is historically what's always created things, always created problems with the market. And also when it comes back to it at the end of the day, I also just don't understand about how anything you've just argued reflects on Obama. Okay, so that doesn't. Okay. But you you want you wanted to look at the background that went into it. I know, it. And, and that's just. What... And I'm saying that Bush sounded the alarm as far back as 2002 and got shot her down, and essentially called a racist because you wanted to shut down loans for people that otherwise wouldn't get them, and he, the Bush administration acquiesced. Barney Frank beat him, browbeat him, and won won the argument. All the way as far as 2008, he was still saying that the housing market was great. The structure was fine when the structure is what caused the market to go crazy. Yeah. When you try to steer prices and steer the market, it goes berserk and does insane things. In order for a market to work, it has to be subject to the consequences of its bad decisions. And we didn't do that. But isn't a lot of the bad decisions due to the freedom of what the market allowed? What do you mean? Meaning giving these people who... Well, that's half the story. I know, but isn't that a fair argument? I mean, like, the market, what the market allowed, there was so much freedom going into it that these mortgage lenders were giving 
loans to people who should not get loans. Mm -hmm. And that is a product of free market. But why do they do that? Because they knew they could make money off of them. Why do they know they can make money off of them? They knew they could make money off of them because they knew that they could not pay it and then they would essentially be in the pocket of them forever. No. I mean, that's not untrue. It is untrue. Because they didn't care. Because you're assuming No, because people would buy up... They don't care. Somebody would buy up their loans... Somebody That's would, the key. Yes, buying up the loans is the biggest part. Because they could part, turn around that and comes sell it back immediately. To, yeah, they could say, okay, this is what, okay. When I said that they would be in the pocket of these people, what I meant is they'd be in the pocket of someone. Someone would be buying the loans, and someone would always be owed this money. So there, there was an influx of people who would just be making these reckless loans. And they were guaranteed loans. where that person wasn't them. Yes. They can make a few percent, a few points on the arbitrage. That's where regulation is important. Making that shit not happen is important. Okay. Because that was irresponsible on the banks. But regulation created the environment where it could happen in the first place. In a free market, in a real free market, that couldn't have happened in the first place. It would have been insane. There's no, no wonder would have made those loans. See, that's where I just completely disagree with you. Because how, how in a free market would that not have taken place? All right, so look at it this way. In Canada, they can make they can make loans. In Canada, all the way through, you can make loans to people to buy a house, but there was no secondary mortgage market. So lenders are stuck with the loans that they make. They got to live with it. Live or die. They got to live with it. Australia, same thing. They didn't have a housing bubble. Go figure. I have an argument to that, by the way. Okay, go ahead. Well, my argument to anything, whenever anyone says, you know, in this country they do this, or this country they do that. It's a different country. I argue about, I don't think people always accept how big and different America is. Because we have 360 million people. We have a very different culture than a lot of countries. Mm -hmm. And anything on that level is simply different. Because you can say, you know, Canada has certain gun laws, or we do things this way, or UK does things this way, or, you know, Australia. No, but like we're taking when a, you have a case study in I know, but incentives it does, it does and not reactions. translate to our country because our country is simply different. Human nature is human nature. Human nature is human nature, but there when you are create an incentive are structure, people are going to make decisions accordingly. that are different between these two countries. Oh, certainly. That's why I think it's a big difference. So when people argue that, I just think it's simply not a fair argument. But okay, if you just take the same country, we can go through a whole lot of history where when we didn't have a secondary home, like mortgage market, where we didn't have insane things happening. Wait, say that again? When we didn't... Okay, there was insane things happening, but not specifically with that. We didn't have people... We Like, companies weren't making stupid loans when they weren't insulated from the... From the um, well, the banking the industry didn't those loans. become what the banking industry became until, like, the 70s. I mean, it's always evolving, so... Like, where are you going with that? Well, what I was trying to say was the risk-reward uh, payment 
I don't really fully know where I'm going with this, but what I'm saying is like you can't say these are the this is the way it's always been is what I'm trying to say. For every company in any industry, for it to work, they need in order for them to make money, they need to do smart things. And when you're in that environment, a free market works. But, but the, when you have an environment where you can do stupid things and still make a lot of money, people are going to get in those jobs and they're going to do really stupid things. Uh, an interesting book, um, Liar's Poker. So the writer of the book, he got into like he got an investment banking more in, in like the late 80s. And he got in, he made a bunch of money, he was selling stocks, and he was watching all these major investment banks go public. And he's like, wait a minute, instead of having a few people that like own this whole company and are watching everything happen, and like it's really important to them that good decisions are made because if you destroy the company, they lose everything, they will run more wisely. Then when they went public, they make a shit ton of income for making for having like quarterly gains. And then if everything goes under, the stockholders lose everything and they walk away. And he looked at it like he got out in 1989. He's like, he as far as he's concerned, he got out when the when the getting was good. And what he never imagined was like how crazy and how like insane it still had to get. I don't want to cut this short because I want to argue a lot of stuff, because, but I think we should get to it a third topic. But my question is to you. I have two questions, quite honestly. First off, how does any of that, from what you're saying, go back to Obama? Because... But that's a, it's a dozen. We're, we're still in the background. Okay, so if you want to look at Obama specifically... Well, can, can I argue what you're saying? Okay, though? go ahead. Real quick, because... What you're saying is he didn't do any of this stuff. He didn't. Uh, he didn't increase all this stuff. You just said at the beginning of all of this is that he had two years to do all this stuff, and then he didn't get it done. And now he's had six years of a Republican Congress, and none of it's gotten passed. My argument would be how overrated the presidency is, and that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, sure. it's, it, it's incredible how. If he says the sky's blue, his Congress is going to say, no, it's black. Like, it's ridiculous how little they will give him credit-wise. Say what you want about him. Will you at least admit that they will not allow him to do anything? Because they hate Obama. The Republican Congress hates Obama, and they won't allow him to pass anything. I think gridlock is our greatest friend, sure. Okay. I know I know that's a, it's a very keen thing to say as a republic or a strategist or whatever but that's not i hate that argument because as we talked about outside earlier what's well, my argument for why hillary should win we can play defense against hillary it's way harder well, yes i think that's a fair argument it's very hard to play defense against somebody who's doing stupid things and they're in your own party yeah but you shouldn't as an american disagree with something because it's not on your team you know what i mean does that make any sense? Oh no! Okay. If something makes sense, but if sense, I have, if you I have two hate people, the idea of it because it's not, it's not coming why from I hate your the team. Idea of it. Okay, here. Okay, Trump and Hillary, right? Either one of them left their own devices, are going to do really stupid things. 
I can defend, I can play defense, I can block against Hillary. My worry is that like Trump might get his way and do a lot of do a lot of stupid things, and then we're stuck like holding the bag, having to own it forever. Do you honestly think, just full on realism, who do you think is a better president, Hillary or Trump? Everything included. Her crookedness is insanity. I mean, seriously. I think it's a wash. I think it really doesn't matter. See, that's where I just completely disagree with you. Because say what you want about it. I think him being president is dangerous. Nothing is going to happen in, in four years. I, I agree with you. Some of these people saying like he's going to like launch nukes or something like that. That's, that's ridiculous. I know that. But I... T- as I said from the very beginning, I think he's a figurehead, and I think he's a fucking loose cannon, and I think he's he doesn't know shit about anything. I don't think he wants to be president. If there's something to be said about Hillary Clinton, I think she knows what she's doing, and I think she at least... Does she? Yes, I do. I do. Why? Again, this is because... Okay, you want to know why? And I'll tell you. And I know that you'll like, disagree. What does she know? Like, seriously. Well, first off, arguably, and I know you're going to disagree with this... She's arguably the most qualified person that's ever ran for president. She was Secretary of State. She was. Uh, that's com- a bizarre statement. It's really not. It's honestly not. Given what? I mean, Grover Cleveland ran for election after being out of office for four years. When he was in office for four years before that, he had been president before a year. For, or he had been president before. You're going to okay. say that he wasn't more qualified? Okay, I'm sorry. If you're talking about Grover Cleveland, where it went Cleveland, Harrison Cleveland, and you're talking about someone who was formerly president, then yes. Okay, I guess that you make your point. Any governor running for president. Okay. Any governor ever running for president is going to be more qualified because they've been an executive before. That's not true. Okay, fair. A bullshit secretary of state... See, this is where I disagree with you about the whole bullshit Secretary of State thing. I think she was a great Secretary of State. And I know a lot of people get pissed about that because people say, oh, Benghazi or oh, whatever. I think she was a good Secretary of State. The Green Revolution? The Muslim Brotherhood? You think that shit wouldn't have happened? If, if, if anybody else, anybody else, if fucking Ronald Reagan was reincarnated and was the fucking Secretary of State, you think that shit wouldn't have happened? So, the Green Revolution. We're going back to June 2009, right? Yeah. So I'm going to need more alcohol if we're going to get okay, down. Okay, absolutely. On Under any number of presidents, the, the, the people revolting would have perhaps not had boots on the ground, guns, arms, like direct supporting them, but they would have received support in such a way that they could have managed to retake their country. And Iran would again be a first world sane country. Okay. The Muslim Brotherhood wouldn't have been just allowed to do whatever they wanted, and Egypt wouldn't have turned into a complete shit show. Okay. Would Syria have been allowed to devolve under any other president, well, I shouldn't say any other, under most other presidencies to devolve into such a mess where between us vacating Iraq? Ignoring the the status of for, uh, the the sofa like sofa, ignoring that, creating a huge like void there, 
and then just totally like not caring about Syria allowed an environment where ISIS was going to become super powerful given everything that's happened and do everything that's happening now. Like under who else? You think under Bush that would have been allowed to happen? Absolutely. The machinery was agreed oh to God, and put absolutely. in place to prevent it okay. from happening, Here's and Obama my, any, abandoned it. Anytime anyone brings that shit up, it drives me nuts because that shit was happening regardless. Look, you don't think all of this shit got built between 2000 and 2008? Obviously, it was before that for a lot of reasons, too. But you don't think 2000 to 2008 is where all the seeds of this shit ISIS and fucking all that stuff got planted. I am sorry, but whoever got fucking president, what, uh, whether it was Obama in 2008 or if Hillary would have won, all this shit would have happened anyway. Give me anyone in the entire world who would have done a better job than fucking Obama. Let's say you hate him. Let's just... I, uh, and I know you're not a fan of this. All you had to do is maintain the status of forces agreement in Iraq. Do you think this shit wouldn't have happened? You're saying if, Syria if, if fucking, uh, okay, shit. let's say Romney or uh, John McCain would have won. Do you think these these terrorist groups would not have happened? Do you think that things would have been better if they would have got elected? Because I do not. There'd be terrorist groups, but they'd be more splintered and, not, and they wouldn't be organized like this. You don't think that there would be an organized group with John McCain or Romney? Oh, there'd be an organized group, and it would be doing something, and we would think it's the worst thing ever because we didn't know what ISIS could have been. Okay. We See, never. It just. We never is, would have entered into our where, consciousness. This is just it never where I happen. completely disagree with you because I feel like this was going to happen regardless, and I don't think that there's any chance that it would have been better if somebody else besides. I think if Obama or. Cheney. So you think abandoning the status of forces agreement in Iraq had nothing to do with it? I'm not saying that stuff. I'm just saying this shit was going to happen. But this shit. Like, we have specific things that we can look at. And by the way, the abandoning things in Iraq, I think, generally was a over-the-long-term... Look, it needed to happen. Like, I don't know. I just... I. I don't so, I don't agree with everything you're saying. Like he took a bad situation and made a decision. I'm not saying he made the right decision, but the act of being occupied in Iraq for eight years, which he was against originally, uh, was a terrible decision in itself. So you're saying he made a bad decision in Iraq. Well, he didn't want to originally be in Iraq in the first place. So there's so that. What? So there's that. What does that matter? How does that not matter, according to everything we've just argued? Because here's the thing. Like, even if you look under, like, the prosecution of the war on terror under Bush, we went through a number of strategies that didn't work. Like, just, just look at Iraq specifically. We went through a number of strategies that didn't work at all before, like, we came upon something that actually kind of worked. And what worked? The surge. Okay. Yeah. And then we tried a similar strategy in Afghanistan, and it, it didn't work. The same because it's a different it's a different that's, that's situation. Surge, that surge was great. I remember hearing about those. Just a couple months. Starting in the summer of 2007, things really changed. Okay. And the war in Iraq was pretty much won. We had negotiated a pullout. That's your argument. We had negotiated a, like a withdrawal with the status of forces agreement to allow the country to have security, maintain a stable government, 
and Obama just said, no, screw it, route. That's and your argument. Go figure. Well, the thing is, like, look at it. Look at after World War II. Look what we did in Japan. The biggest problem that we had in Iraq is we assumed that we could nation build there like we were able to do in Japan and Germany. Yeah, and it didn't work. It just, it just doesn't work. We can't build those people the way we could build other first world yeah, people. The Marshall Plan worked in Europe, but it didn't work in And Middle it East. didn't work. So like we had to go through like a whole number of like failed strategies before we could come upon something that w was working. And then when we finally, after all of this bloodshed, all this pain and suffering, all this money, finally came upon something that was working, Obama said, ha! I won! I have a mandate! Let's GTFO! And screw you! Screw all these other people! We're done. We're out. Nate, America is the great Satan. We caused all of this. Let's get out. Everything's going to be great think... once we leave. And guess what? Oh, that was a really bad decision. See, this is where, again, I just completely disagree with you because I don't think it was just like, hey, we're out. Peace. You're cool. You're cool. Fuck you. You're cool. I think it was the plan, anyway, which, again, I think he got dealt a shit hand. He got, in poker terms, he came to the table with a 2-7, which is the worst hand you can have in fucking poker. Mm -hmm. And that was because of the Republican mandate that was there. Came to the table with shit, and he realized, hey, we gotta get out of this thing, this is a quagmire, this is shit. I'm not saying we're gonna, we're gonna withdraw our troops, but it's not like they didn't still have an influence there. I'm not saying shit has gone smoothly since they've left or anything like that. I just don't see a situation where if we would have continued such a occupation, it would have been smoothly because that would have just, to me... Well, we're trying to continue the occupation. The in a different have. sense. If, look, if, if fucking George Bush would have got a third term, we would have continued the occupation and we would have just had another fucking Vietnam. 